Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our interactive daily broadcast where trusted leaders bring insights and analysis to the issues from a biblical perspective. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get biblical answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host, Richard Harris. Hello, everybody. This is Richard Harris. Welcome to the Truth and Liberty Live Calling Show. It's so great to have you watching today. Uh, and I'm just really excited uh, at this opportunity to be with you. So uh, we're in a, a different studio environment uh, today, and we will be for a while. A little bit different look than maybe what you're used to when you tune into Truth and Liberty, because um, we're, we're building out a new space for Truth and Liberty here uh, at the campus of Andrew Womack Ministries. Uh, uh, so I think you're going to like the new space once it's done, but for a little while, we're going to be in this temporary arrangement, but, uh, and we're so thankful for the opportunity to have it. You know, here at Andrew's ministry in Woodland Park, Colorado, there, everything is beautiful. This is such an incredible place. We're right here at, uh, at the base of Pikes Peak, America's Mountain, and it's just an awesome place to be. But I'm really excited about today's show. Uh, thank you for tuning in. You know, you might want to uh, let your friends and family know that they need to watch today's program. I'm going to be talking about something that is really, really important. It's uh, basically something that's vital to our republic, okay? Our first uh, fundamental right as Americans, uh, one of the most fundamental and important rights as um, as human beings, actually, freedom of speech. And the, the occasion that I want to take to talk about this subject is the indictment that was handed down against Donald Trump uh, in the United States District Court for the District of Columbia uh, a couple days ago uh, at the hands of the special Prosecutor Jack Smith. Um, and uh, you guys have probably heard about this in the news, but Smith was the government appointed lawyer that was uh, assigned the job of looking into whether crimes were committed in the, uh, by Donald Trump uh, in the January 6th events. All right. So, of course, he's looking at more than just that day of January 6th. He was looking at everything from the date of the election forward, the 2020 election forward. And so, it, you know, at this point, uh, to conservatives, uh, really to anybody who's watching the news, this development was not really that surprising. And it wasn't very surprising because we've been seeing one indictment after another being handed down. And one thing that we're all noticing is all of these indictments are coming at the hands of left-wing liberal uh, prosecutors, uh, many of them who have been elected uh, through uh, heavily financed campaigns uh, paid for by George Soros and his various political entities. And these left-wing prosecutors, whether it's uh, the guy up in Brooklyn, New York, or, uh, you know, the, the, the federal prosecutor down in, in South Florida, um, they're all out to get Donald Trump. This is obvious to everybody except the most dyed-in-the-wool Democrat. And, and, you know, we've got four sets of indictments against uh, former President Trump now. Um, and before I go through what those are, I just want to, you know, say this, that we have never been here or anywhere close to this in American history ever before. There have never been criminal charges of any kind filed against a former president, much less 
four different sets of, of indictments in four different jurisdictions on four different sets of so-called facts. Um, and, uh, you know, the other thing and that I'm going to get into later is that these indictments, it's not like they're uh, just arising spontaneously, you know, and everything other than these indictments is just like it has always been and just like it always should be. No, these are at the at the end of a long, long period that we have been in since the election of Barack Obama that has involved the politicization. That's right, the politicization of the law enforcement agencies of the government and the progressive uh, attack on fundamental liberties in the First Amendment, including the freedom of religion and freedom of speech. And so this latest, uh, well, let me tell you, what are the indictments now, just in case you need to be kind of brought up to speed. Before I go into those, though, let me take a second uh, and uh, just share some information with you. First of all, you guys know this, but we're a live call-in show, so I want to hear from you today, okay? So if you have questions, and they can be lawyer questions or they can be preacher questions, okay? They can be about legal stuff, politics, or about the Bible, and I can't guarantee you I can answer all of them, but I'll do my very best. And uh, just call into our number, 719-619-2341. I would love to talk to you today. Or maybe you've just got a comment that you can't, you got to get off your chest, right? Right about what's going on, uh, please feel free to call in, and uh, I would love to love to talk to you. So um, uh, the other thing is, I wanted to let you know next week here at Andrew Womack Ministries and Karis Bible College is probably there's going to be an event. It's probably the largest conference of the year here at the ministry, and it's called Healing Is Here. How many of you guys know that Andrew Womack teaches and believes that God has healed us, and God is willing and desires for everybody to be healed? You know the the healings that uh, manifest in this ministry here, not just at Andrew's hands, okay, but because of his teaching and preaching, because of all the people here who are believing and confessing God's word and ministering in signs and wonders, it's every day, okay? Every day people are getting healed. Everything from, uh, you know, Alzheimer's to birth defects. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating either. You know, we get 80,000 calls a month through the phone center here at Andrew's ministry. And every day there are salvations and healings and baptisms in the Holy Spirit and deliverance spirits, spirit and deliverances and all kinds of miracles. And, you know, I can testify to healing in my own family uh, more than one, as a matter of fact. And so if you need healing in your body today, I want you to go on Andrew's website, awmi.net, find events and healing is here and get registered and get out here for next week's conference. Andrew's going to be ministering along with a lot of other powerful ministers uh, who have seen God heal hundreds and hundreds of people. And God is not a respecter of persons. Okay, you got to hear me now. Somebody right now is listening. Somebody right now is listening and you need healing in your body. Or you know what? I think somebody's listening whose child needs healing. That's right. And I want to say to you today, God is not a respecter of persons. He is not judging you. He is not angry with you. Your child, gosh, somebody, this is for somebody, I'm telling you. Your child is not sick because of your sin. Your child is not sick because God is angry with you or because he wants to punish you. God loves you and he's provided for healing for you and your entire family in the sacrifice and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you need healing, you just need to step out into faith and get here for healing and it's here so you can receive from God. All right, so check that out on the website today. The other thing I wanted to mention to you guys is that um, the Truth and Liberty Conference is coming up pretty quick. 
Uh, September 7th, 8th, and 9th here in Woodland Park, Colorado. This conference has become one of the most exciting events uh, that we do here at Andrews Ministry. Uh, last year, we had over, I think it was, you know, somewhere around 3,500 people participating, uh, both online and present physically. And it was powerful. It was awesome. And uh, you need to come here. If you're, if you're discouraged, or even if you're encouraged, if you're looking for a way to get connected, to make a difference, to fight for America, to fight for God's plan for America, to be salt and light in our culture, there's nowhere better than you can come than the Truth and Liberty Conference. Uh, Andrew's going to be ministering. Uh, I'm going to be ministering. Um, let's see, who else? Uh, 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 David Barton is going to be here. Chad Connolly is going to be here. Pastor Lucas Miles is going to be ministering. Muhammad Faridi, Janet Porter. Uh, I'm probably leaving somebody out, and I apologize for that. Plus, we're going to have three awesome workshops on practical ways for you to get involved. We're going to have an exhibit hall jammed full of like-minded conservative organizations where you can learn more about what's going on and get connected to make a difference. And uh, we're going to have a special premiere presentation of a brand new drama written by Elizabeth Murin called Overturned. And it's going to be celebrating and commemorating what the decision of the United States Supreme Court last year, reversing Roe versus Wade. And, and uh, what an event that was and what a day that's going to be when that drama, when we watch that drama for the first time, I know it's going to be awesome and powerful. You just don't want to miss this conference. September 7, 8, and 9. Go on truthandliberty.net. Get registered today. It's a free event, and uh, we want to have you here. We'd love to have you. All right, guys. Well, let's go back to what we're talking about here today on the Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. By the way, questions, comments, call into our, our, uh, our number. Our, our phone lines are open. I'm talking about these indictments that have been handed down against Donald Trump. So I'm going to tell you four, four different indictments. The first one is that this prosecutor, this Soros prosecutor in, the, in New York City, uh, in, got D Donald Trump indicted on uh, election campaign finance laws, mis misdemeanors, based on how his, co his corporation filled out their books and reported some expenditures, okay? And then when they turned those in under some other statute, in under New York law, then he ties that into election campaign finance and, and bootstraps it up into felony counts. Okay, it's it's a hundred percent targeting of Donald Trump. These charges would never be brought against someone other than a political opponent or some kind of a vengeance case. This is corruption to the nth degree. The next case is that he was indicted uh, recently for. Um, how he handled classified records after he is president, okay? So Trump, just like every president before him, when he leaves the White House, he takes with him a whole bunch of documents, okay? It's just like uh, as if I was a lawyer at a law firm and I no longer work at that law firm, I'm going to pack up my office and take it with me, including extra copies of stuff. Okay, um, and you know briefs, research, memos, uh, things like that that I that were important to me or that I contributed to or whatever. I don't want to lose this information and so on. Every president before him has done this. Barack Obama, all the way back probably to you know uh, Dwight Eisenhower, have done this. And and so, but they're coming after Trump. They figured out somehow that he's got some classified stuff in there, and now they've made a federal case out of it, literally. Okay, the next one is. Uh, the, this case that just uh, where the indictment was just handed down, and this is for events leading up to January 6th. Um, and then there's a fourth one that's on its way, and it's uh, out of the state of Georgia, Fulton County, Georgia, another liberal leftist hard blue stronghold. 
okay, because of statements Trump made to, uh, I think it was the governor of Georgia or the secretary of state of Georgia after the 2020 elections where he supposedly was pressuring him, trying to get him to do something illegal. All he was doing, though, was saying to the governor, listen, this election has been rigged, it's been stolen, and you can't let these votes be certified. You, uh, you've got to dig into this because my numbers are showing that there's 11,000 votes there that either didn't get counted or counted the wrong way. I'm not 100% certain on that. But no, the, the liberals are saying, oh, he's lying and he's extorting this guy and he's putting pressure on him illegally, trying to force him to do something wrong. You see what I'm saying? So that one's going to come down to, it's just going to be the, the same, uh, same thing, different, different set of facts. So let's talk for a minute about this latest indictment. Okay, I want to dive in a little bit more deeper so you understand it, all right? The, uh, basically, it, you've heard the phrase conspiracy theory. This indictment is a conspiracy theory, all right? Trump has been indicted on several conspiracy, counts of conspiracy under federal law. You remember the January 6th hearings that were going on in the Congress last year? You remember how it was all Democrats and they wouldn't let any Republicans participate except the two rhinos that had flipped the, the never-Trumpers, um, uh, Cheney and who was the other one? I can't remember. And then they, they wouldn't let people testify and they managed everything. It was a great, big, huge kangaroo court show theater thing that everybody knew was a farce, right? You remember that? Okay, well, this is the same thing. This indictment that just got handed down is the same thing. So in an indictment, what happens is a prosecutor goes to the judge and he files a petition for a grand jury. He says, judge, I, I want a grand jury to look into this event because I think there might have been crimes committed. Here's the crimes that I think were committed. Here's why I think they were committed. And the judge says, yes, you can have a grand jury. Okay, or no, there's not enough info there to have a grand jury. So usually the judge grants it. And, the, and so this grand jury gets impaneled, and the prosecutor then begins to parade in front of the grand jury his witnesses and his evidence. And guess who's not there? The potential defendants are not there. They don't get to present their side of the story. They don't get to present their witnesses and their evidence and their testimony. So all the jury ever hears is one side of the story. And here's how things, here's the very best case scenario for the prosecution's case. Well, it's no surprise that most of the times juries issue the indictment that the prosecutor wants because the prosecutor has no obligation to present contrary evidence to the grand jury. So an indictment, all it is, is a charge. It's, it's, all it is is saying, I, the prosecutor, based on the findings of the grand jury, say, allege that you, defendant, have done these things. Okay? It's an allegation. Well, guess what? Under the United States Constitution, every defendant is presumed to be innocent until he has proven guilty by a court of law. And in none of these cases has Donald Trump yet been proven guilty. Now, I don't hold out a huge amount of hope that he will be proven uh, innocent, right? And the reason is not because he did stuff that was wrong, but because these are set up cases in liberal strongholds with jury pools that are probably 80 to 90% Democrat already, okay? And are full of Donald Trump haters. So I think he's really got a tough assignment ahead of him. But here's the deal about this most recent set of indictments. They're taking Donald Trump's statements and actions after the 2020 election leading up to January 6th and a little bit beyond. Do you remember January 6th? Okay. They're taking all of his statements and they're saying it was all a conspiracy by Donald Trump and 
and there's four lawyers named, four or five lawyers, and a political consultant. So there's like six co-conspirators, supposedly. So basically, you're saying you're taking the president of the United States, a person who has just reportedly lost an election, so a candidate for office, and his legal team, and you're going to throw them in jail for contesting an election. That is what this is, okay? And so what's in the indictment? Well, it's 45 pages long. I have to confess to you, I haven't read the whole thing yet, but I read the first 10 pages, so I think I know where this is going, okay? And they're saying uh, that Trump, every time he opened his mouth and said something like, illegal aliens voted, or dead people uh, cast ballots, or people that were disqualified because they didn't turn their votes in on time, or, or people that weren't registered in the state. Anytime he made these allegations, he was lying. They're saying he was lying because he, it was false, and he knew it was false, okay? So because he was lying, they say, he was involved in a legal conspiracy, number one, to hurt or defraud the government, Number two, to obstruct an official proceeding, which is the January 6th, the, the uh, congressional um, event where they certify the uh, electoral college results. That's what happened in the Capitol building on January 6th, and that's why the protest was going on, right? They're saying Trump intentionally was trying to not just have a protest that day, but to obstruct what happened, all right? And they claim that he lied to the crowd, that he deceived the crowd. They claim that he lied to government officials and state, uh, you know, um, secretaries of state and state governors and, and all these uh, government officials around the nation because during this time period, Trump and his attorneys are making phone calls. And they're saying, here's what we're seeing, guys. You can't let this go through. You need to look into this. You need to challenge this. There's something's wrong here. We don't think it's fair. And now this, what was essentially speech, hear me now, speech, and the highest form of political speech is now a crime. It's a crime because they say he was lying, all right? And so the, the co-conspirators are probably Rudy Giuliani, alleged, Sidney Powell, uh, another lawyer named John Eastman, who's from Colorado, and, and then some other folks. And so uh, this is a really, really dangerous step that the government has taken here. And um, I don't think I can overstate how dangerous and damaging this is to our republic what the Biden administration, the special prosecutor, the left-wing activist, Jack Smith, what he's doing here is, is a, it's a threat to the entire uh, republic. And I'm not overstating it, and here's why. Here's why. Because, number one, he's using the law enforcement apparatus of the United States government to punish and to eliminate... A political opponent, do you hear that? I'm going to throw you in jail so you can't run against my candidate. So you can't run again for president because I don't want you to be in office again. Okay? I'm taking you out of the picture by using the apparatus of government to do it. This politicization of government is incredibly dangerous. This is how every dictatorship that ever has been has operated.
This is how Stalin operated. It's how Mao operated in China. It's how Hitler operated, how those nations, those communist nations still operate to this day. It's how tyrants throughout the ages, you know, the, the kings of Europe, when they persecuted and threw their opponents into jail for so-called treason and things like that. Why? Simply because they were speaking out against the crown. It's the same thing here. It's an abuse of power. And guys, if you love America, if you believe in freedom, if you believe in the First Amendment, if you believe in God, <laughs> okay, you need to stand up for this. You need to let your voice be heard. We need to be calling our congressman right now, today. We need to be calling the Justice Department of the United States today. And we need to be saying to them, we will not put up with this. This is wrong. You cannot do this. This is un-American and it's illegal. The, the thing is, this politicization, all right, it's a tough word to say, politicization. But anyway, it's been going on ever since Barack Obama. Obama started it. He went through the entire federal government and planted his people, political operatives and activists, all right, hardcore leftist activists, basically communists, one world globalists, environmental extremists, and LGBT people in all the ranks and files of the federal government, okay, and, uh, and uh, including the military, the intelligence departments, the IRS, the Justice Department, the FBI, so why do you think in the last few months, last few years since Biden came in office, that we've seen the Department of Justice go against pro-lifers for praying on a sidewalk? Okay. Uh, there's a guy who was praying on a sidewalk outside an abortion clinic and his child, his son was with him or his daughter. Some guy's coming up, up there um, and shoves his daughter and he gets in between them and he's prosecuted under the special Democrat law that says you can't commit, uh, you can't use intimidating tactics against people seeking an abortion. Um, you know, uh, how about uh, the, the failure of the FBI to go against BLM rioters or Antifa rioters for all the damage and killing and harm they did in 2020? Or how about their failure to pursue those who bombed uh, pregnancy resource centers after, uh, after the uh, opinion in Dobbs versus Mississippi was leaked? How about that they were um, targeting, announced they were going to target moms and parents who went to school boards to protest the woke ideology in our, in our schools, calling them terrorists, and on and on we could go, okay? But we know the FBI and the, and the, uh, and the, the intelligence agencies colluded with the Obama administration, okay? E even before Donald Trump was elected, they colluded with Hillary Clinton's campaign okay, to create the Russia collusion hoax, right? This is the politicization of government where the FBI and intelligence agencies are now communicating with this FISA court and with political operatives and creating this dossier of lies against Donald Trump to say that he's in bed with the Russians, literally, okay? And, th and then they foist it on the American people after Donald Trump is elected. Hillary Clinton, you might remember, even in the debates, she knew it was going on. She hinted at it. Right. And sure enough, after Trump wins, they come out with this and they try to derail his entire presidency, impeach him over it. 
This is all government corruption, politicization of government, all initiated by Barack Obama, aided and abetted by Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton and their cohorts. And meanwhile, Joe Biden and his family are sitting there learning exactly how to do it and, and uh, loving what they're seeing. And then we have all these George Soros prosecutors who are funded by this communist billionaire, okay, placed in office all across America and secretaries of state all throughout 2016, 17, 18, 2020, and they're there, okay? They're, they're ready for the 2020 elections. They recognize that Donald Trump is the number one foe. Everything else they've tried didn't win. According to, um, uh, there was an article that was writ, uh, published in 2021 by Molly Ball in Time Magazine. She's a left-wing journalist, opinion writer, okay? She's no conservative. She writes this lengthy article, and she says, quote, a well-funded cabal of powerful people ranging across industries and ideologies, working together behind the scenes to influence perceptions, change rules and laws, steer media coverage. Did you hear that? steer media coverage and control the flow of information resulted in the Joe Biden win. That's what her investigation showed. Now, uh, and so we're supposed to sit back and say, yeah, all that happened, but no, it, there couldn't have been anything illegal. It couldn't have been that the Democrats were creating fake ballots or that they were paying people to destroy ballots or to do other illegal things with voting machines. No, that would never happen. There's no evidence, you conspiracy theorist. Right. No, you're lying if you say that. We're going to throw you in jail if you challenge us on that, they say. Okay, so this politicization of the government has gone way back to Barack Obama, and it continues today. All right, I'm, I'm down to three minutes here. I'm going to take a break in, in three minutes and ten seconds. I just want to remind everybody... All right. So this is the Truth and Liberty live call-in show. So I need you to call in. So it'll be a live call-in show. Okay. So it's 719-619-2341. I want to hear from you today. I'm going to do my best to take your questions as soon as I can. I do have a lot more to talk about though, that I want to get through. And I think you're going to be interested in hearing, but that's the number. Lines are open. Call in today. So, okay. This politicization of the government, um, the, the, uh, um, uh, these, uh, there's never been any similar activity ever against a former president of the United States. So um, don't, don't think, don't believe the liberals' lies when they get up and they say that these prosecutions are because they believe in the rule of law, all right? That is an absolute farce. They're saying these things, I mean, Biden is as corrupt as they come. He has no love for the rule of law. Are you kidding me? He's lied for years about his corruption with his son, Joe, and now it's finally coming to light. Okay. Uh, they claim the rule of law, but they're letting criminals go out of jail all over this country, eliminating cash bail requirements, uh, just choosing not to prosecute violent offenders and all this kind of stuff. An, an open border refusing to enforce the laws of the United States to protect our nation. Don't tell me you're in favor of the rule of law. That's a bunch of hooey. No, this is politically motivated. These indictments are politically motivated 100%. The next thing is, the next point about these indictments is that these are an incredibly dangerous infringement on freedom of speech, all right? 
in America, our Constitution, the First Amendment of the con to the uh, to the Constitution, the First Amendment in the Bill of Rights. So the Bill of Rights is the first ten amendments, and number one, the first right in the First Amendment is freedom of religion. Congress shall make no law respecting um, an establishment of religion, nor uh, prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Right number two, Congress shall make no law infringing the freedom of speech. Okay? Freedom of speech is just under freedom of religion in terms of importance and necessity. If we don't have freedom of speech in this nation, we don't have a free nation. It's that simple. Okay? It's indispensable. It's essential. It's vital. We've got to have it or we cannot be a free country. We can't govern ourselves. There's no more freedom if we lose that one. It's that important. So we've got a break coming up here in about 30 seconds. We're going to share some important information with you, some announcements and that kind of thing. But jump on the phone now and call in. Our number is 719-619-2341. And by the way, uh, if you need prayer tonight, uh, Andrew's 24-7 uh, prayer center is open. And that number uh, is 719-635-1111. And Andrew's spirit-filled, Word of God trained prayer ministers are standing by to take your calls there as well. So we look forward to hearing from you here at the ministry, and I'm going to take a break now for about 90 seconds to share some information, then I'll be right back. We are the antidote for what's happening in this world, but you need to see beyond the physical, and I believe that the greatest days of the church are ahead. God has a word for you, God has a plan for you, and God is raising up an army that knows how to fight the right fight the right way. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we have big plans to make a big impact. If you want to be a part of turning our nation back to God, I want to invite you to become a supporter of Truth and Liberty. You can go on our website at truthandliberty.net to the donate page and make a gift there. And you can also sign up to be uh, make a recurring automatic gift of $5 or more per month, and then you'll become a Truth and Liberty member. And uh, our gifts to Truth and Liberty are not tax deductible, but I promise you, God sees your generosity. So go to Truth Liberty and become a member today. This is a godly nation. It was founded upon godly principles. God is calling us to rebuild His house so that He can manifest His glory in the midst of a corrupt and pagan world. I would argue that America has been more prosperous, more successful than any other nation because we've done more in reading and applying the Bible. It is the history for Christians to speak out and to make a difference in this nation. All right, we're back here on the Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. I'm Richard Harris. So glad to be with you today. Um, hey, listen, earlier I was talking about this conference we've got coming up, and I failed to mention my good friend Alex McFarland is going to be speaking as well, and Chad Connolly uh, and Janet Porter. So it's going to be a really amazing event, Truth and Liberty Conference September 7th through the 9th. You will not want to miss this one, guys. I promise you, it's going to fire you up. All right, so we're talking about freedom of speech today. And I got a question for you guys. I got a question for you. How many of you remember uh, maybe when you were growing up, you know, you just don't hear this very often any, anymore, but I used to hear it fairly often. Uh, Americans would say 
Americans would say, I disagree with you, but I would fight to the death for your right. I, I disagree with what you say, but I fight to the death for your right to say it. Do you remember ever hearing that in our nation before? See, this was the ethic, if you will. It was the ethic of our country, the belief system of our nation that came out of that First Amendment. We, part of being American was the belief in these rights, these fundamental liberties, right? And, and if, if all freedom of speech is, if all it is is your right to say what you want, then it's not really freedom, is it? Okay? Freedom of speech has to encompass the right of others to say what you don't like, or else it's not really freedom, is it? It's just your freedom. And if it's just your freedom, then it's not really freedom. If it's just freedom for those in power, then it's not really freedom, okay? We, it has to include the freedom of all people to speak whatever is on their heart and at whatever is on their mind. So I want to talk about how these indictments are a direct attack on free speech. Donald Trump's lawyer, uh, Donald Trump's attorney um, said this. Uh, uh, recently, I, I'm, I'm looking for, for my notes on this, but yeah, his attorney, um, John Laro, said uh, that the indictments, these uh, related to January 6th, that this is just an attack on free speech. And I couldn't agree with him more. It 100% is. And that's why every American, here's a good, okay, if there's, if there's possibility of any Democrats listening to this show, which is unlikely, <laughs> but if there are, listen to me, guys, whether you love or hate Donald Trump is not the issue, okay? You have to agree with me, if you look at this objectively, that this is incredibly dangerous to our republic, and we cannot have the federal government going after political opponents, especially based on what they say in the context of a political campaign or the, uh, the, the, the camp post-campaign activity, all right? It, it, it's just beyond the pale. It will destroy our republic if this becomes the new norm. So let me just talk about freedom of speech for a minute. As Christians and as believers, we, more than anybody else, more than anybody else, we should be the ones standing up for free speech. We should be the ones advocating for this right and this privilege. And you're like, Richard, what, why? What, what does freedom of speech have to do with with being a Christian. I, uh, you know, I'm a Christian, I'm born again, and I'm going to heaven. I don't really care about all this politics stuff. Well, let me tell you that the, the idea of freedom of speech comes right out of the pages of the Bible. Okay. And here's the basis for it. God says that, uh, that you and I have been made in his own image and in his own likeness. Genesis chapter one, verse 26 to 27. We, in other words, we are made to be like God. We are God's copy, okay? And, and the Bible says that God's very first act, what was it in, uh, that, that's recorded in Scripture? His very first act recorded was to speak. That's right. Doesn't it say in Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 3, that God uh, said, let there be light, and there was light? Okay. And you know, um, Jesus himself, Jesus himself, the Bible says that he is the word of God. In other words, Jesus is the expression of the heart of God the Father. The, the Gospel of John tells us that uh, in John 1.18 that he was in the bosom of the Father. And when he becomes a man, he is the full expression of God himself. He tells 
I think it was Philip, have I, have I not been with you long enough, Philip, that you don't know that when you've seen me, you've seen the Father, right? Jesus is the Word and He is the expression of God. What my point is for this is God speaks, God expresses. It is part and parcel of who He is. And that's exactly how He made us. The ability to express our ideas, to express our thoughts, to express our desires, our wishes, our opinions is an essential part of who we are as human beings. And it's an essential part of every human being's happiness. That's right. It is not possible, I believe, it is not possible for a human being who cannot express himself or herself to experience full happiness, right? Because that's innate in us. It's part of who we are. If you've ever been to a communist country, you can see people walk around, former communist countries, they walk around with their heads down like this. They don't look at people. They don't talk to you because they've conditioned, been conditioned to slavery, to mental slavery, right? And they are depressed looking. They're their buildings, their society feels run down and depressed. Everything about their culture feels depressed. I'm not insulting anybody. I'm telling you this is the result of the deprivation of freedom of speech and freedom of religion. So these freedoms are essential to who we are as human beings. Um, we have a unique ability to express ourselves. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh, Matthew 12, 34. So this sets us apart from all the rest of creation. And so to prevent someone, to deprive someone of freedom to express themselves is literally depriving them of the opportunity to live out the fullness of their identity as a child of God. And so we as Christians recognize this, and this, uh, this violation, if you will, strikes at, it's, it's a crime against humanity, and it's a crime against God. And we can't stand for it. The other thing about freedom of speech is that it's foundational to self-government and to all other freedom. Foundational. Found, um, James Madison, I, I believe he was the fourth president of the United States. Uh, could be fifth. <laughs> but James Madison, oh, fifth, okay. My team's telling me five, Richard, five. So James Madison, though, he was, um, he was in the Constitutional Convention. He was a delegate from the state of Virginia. And James Madison is the one that proposed the Virginia plan. He's called the father of the United States Constitution. And he said this, he said uh, that our speech, or he said our First Amendment freedoms give us the right to think what we like and say what we please. He said, if we the people are to govern ourselves, we must have these rights, even if they are misused by a minority. In other words, there may be people who say irresponsible things and who spout off at the lip, you know, and say stuff that's stupid, but that doesn't mean they don't have the right to say it. Everyone has the freedom of speech, and it has to be for everybody. Um, if Americans, if we abandon this, if we choose that we're not, that we're no longer going to tolerate speech, even speech that we don't like, then we're no longer going to be a free people. Whoever, what's going to happen is whoever is the most powerful in our culture is going to be the ones that get to determine what speech is allowed. Uh, and if that's what happens, then our Republican form of government in reality will no longer exist. Uh, freedom of speech is a principal pillar of free government. Benjamin Franklin said that. 
When this support is taken away, Franklin said, the constitution of a free society is dissolved and tyranny is erected in its ruins. So this is how important this issue is. Without free speech, see, without free speech, the people cannot communicate truth to their leaders. And without free speech, debate of ideas is impossible and self-government becomes impossible. We can't speak about what's going on. We can't receive information about what's going on. We can't communicate amongst ourselves. We can't debate the issues. We become, it's impossible to find the truth and it's impossible to hold the government accountable and submitted to the will of the people. And so it's, it's just vital. It's like baking a cake without flour. It won't work, guys. We have to have freedom of speech in this nation. And so uh, with, having said that, uh, let's look at Donald Trump's indictments, okay? And why is free speech, why is this a direct threat on free speech? Okay, well, what are they claiming Donald Trump did to warrant jail time uh, related to his efforts challenging the, the 2020 election? Well, first they said, oh, he, he got fraudulent electors appointed. They're talking about that Trump's team um, had alternate electors in the Electoral College identified Okay, this, uh, when, when you go to, basically what happens in the Electoral College is you have two sets of electors. You have electors for candidate one and electors for candidate two. And if candidate two wins the, the popular vote in a state, then that candidate's electors in that state are the ones who get to count, who get, whose ballots get counted, right? So Trump didn't really, um, he didn't really create these bodies of electors, did he? No, but he was telling Congress, he was communicating to Congress and to state secretaries, all, secretaries of state all over the state, saying, you need to count the votes from these other electors, called them alternate electors. And so they're saying Donald Trump's speech was illegal because he knew supposedly that he had, uh, that, he, that uh, the election um, was not really stolen. The, so the second thing they say is that, um, he made public claims of all these different things like illegals voting, uh, unregistered people voting, dead people voting, people voting who've left the state, uh, vote, ballots cast out of time and all this stuff. And then he knew these, the, he, these claims were false, so therefore he was committing a crime. Um, and I'm going to come back to this, he knew it was false thing in a minute. But they, um, you know, the machines were flipping votes. Here's the thing, guys. I can't go there yet. I'll come back to that. Um, and then he say, they say that he obstructed the January 6th proceedings in Congress by asking people to come to the Capitol and protest. Well, you might remember that he told his protesters to go down to the Capitol building from the Washington Monument where his rally was being held and to peacefully protest. He did not tell them to go into the building. He did not have any plans for them to go into the building. He didn't do anything to make it easy for them to go into the building. The Capitol Police opened the doors to the building. Okay, but nevertheless, that's the indictment. So they're saying that his words, his words in calling people to protest were a crime. Um, they claim he pressured government officials like Mike Pence and state secretaries of state. So they're targeting Donald Trump's speech. Donald Trump is both a candidate at the time and he's also the president of the United States. The president of the United States who has a duty and an obligation to assure fair and full, full and fair elections, right? And they're saying that, no, what you did was a crime. As a sitting president, you were committing this crime by calling on the government agencies to investigate what you, know, you say was a crime. So 
think about the magnitude. If this goes through, if Trump is thrown in jail because of this, think what this means for the future. This means any time somebody wins an election for governor, for mayor, for president, they can then turn around and have law enforcement go after their opponent and say that all the stuff that opponent said about how this election was conducted is not just wrong, it's a crime and you need to throw him in jail for it, right? And there, then thereby I'm going to take out my number one opponent for the next election. This is banana republic stuff, dictator stuff, tyranny, deluxe, guys. You got to see this. All right. So does a candidate and uh, does a candidate have a right to challenge the results of an election in public? Can he say publicly, I don't think this is legitimate? Of course he can. Does he have a right to talk about what he believed happened? Does he have a right to call for investigations, to call for the process to be suspended, to allow more time? Does a sitting president have a right or even a duty to protect the integrity of elections? I think the answer to every one of those questions is yes. And, he, and, I, and, and I read in this affidavit that Jack Smith even admits that President Trump had these rights. But So what's the difference? Well, Jack Smith is saying Trump knew that he was lying, that he's lying and he knew he was lying, that, that he knew the election was legitimate. And so everything he was saying and all of his lawyers were saying was a lie. He's saying Rudy Giuliani was lying when he held the press conference claiming that the election was stolen. I'm telling you, this defies belief to me that these men were actually lying. No, what they were doing, Jack Smith, is they were expressing their God-given and constitutional right to a different opinion than yours, okay? They had an opinion they were expressing. They were not lying. There was abundant evidence, and there still is to this day, that there was hanky-panky in this election, right? How many of you remember election night 2020, right? We're all watching. It's coming, getting late. It's 10 o'clock. You know, and uh, Trump is leading. He's leading in Florida. He's leading in, uh, I think, Pennsylvania, maybe Michigan. I don't remember all the states, but he's leading. And all of a sudden, we start hearing the news say, okay, the officials in uh, Pennsylvania are going to shut down the count for the night, and they're going to reopen in the morning. I remember when I heard that. I'm sure you did, too, going, what? Since when do we stop counting just because it's 10 o'clock? Every election I've ever seen, they count until they're done, and it, doesn't, it might be three in the morning, but they don't stop. And then we hear about, oh, equipment malfunctions in Georgia, and we hear about all these things, and suddenly four to five states are shutting down until nine in the morning. And all of a sudden, when we get up in the morning, guess what the headlines say? Oh, Joe Biden won the election. And then we hear about... Uh, you know, uh, election observers being excluded. We hear about pipes breaking that didn't actually break. And we hear about thumb drives being lost. And we hear about semi loads of ballots showing up at two in the three in the morning. And we start hearing about all of these stories. And Donald Trump's legal team goes and starts gathering affidavits of all this stuff. You know, I'm going to say, I'll be the first one to say Trump's legal team did a shoddy job. They did not do a good job in challenging this election, and courts across the country had to deny the claims, all right? But there were no, listen to me now, 
There were no direct evidentiary challenges on the vote counts or the mechanisms of the, of the machines or any of that stuff because there wasn't enough time to, uh, to gather, assimilate, and present that information and evidence. And Trump's team made some strategic decisions not to challenge it. But I'm telling uh, on the evidentiary grounds in the courts, and I can't, I can't go into all that right now. What I'm telling you that it's ludicrous to say that Trump and his team were lying. No, they were presenting their view and their beliefs uh, in the court of opinions and in the court of law, and they did not get sanctioned for lying to the court, you know, uh, except maybe in a few places. Um, I, I think some third parties did. But I'm telling you that this is crazy to say that Trump's team knew that they were, they were lying and, and, uh, and committing a fraud on the government and all this sort of stuff. Furthermore, saying that Trump conspired with others to obstruct the congressional proceedings on January 6th, there's no evidence of this, not really. And so this is a direct assault on freedom of speech. It's a direct result, assault on America, on our free institutions. This is not just another headline. Fellow Americans, brothers and sisters, listen to me now, okay? This, this indictment, more than any of the others, the one related to January 6th, we can't tolerate this. We can't, okay? We have to call. We have to write letters. We have to do petitions. We have to let our voices be heard that we're not going to stand for this because it's un-American. And if it goes through, it's going to set a precedent that will destroy the United States of America. And I, I do believe, honestly, that I am not... I am not overstating the danger of this. And you know, when it comes to free speech, we're seeing threats all over the place, aren't we, right? I was reading headlines uh, the other day that they're calling them the Facebook files, where now we see that Joe Biden's administration and, um, and uh, the, the Fauci and all those guys before were uh, putting pressure on social media companies, were getting them to censor information about COVID vaccines that they didn't want the public to hear, right? This is illegal. You can't do that. That's an infringement of freedom of speech, federal government. You're not allowed to do it. You're not a propaganda machine, right? Um, back in 2016, uh, there was a study done, and I, I don't have his name in front of me, but he was a, he's a data scientist guy, and he did a study of social media and big tech, Google, Facebook, Twitter, all of these big tech giants, and he showed that their, um, their censorship and suppression of conservative speech on social media cost uh, Donald Trump between six and 10 million votes, okay? So that's not necessarily the government, but it's still a freedom of speech issue. We've got a big problem in America. We have to rebuild the ideal of freedom of speech in our culture, in our courts, in our businesses, in our universities, everywhere. Just like this uh, Jason Aldean country western song recently where he's saying, not in this small town, right? Talking about BLM and Antifa riots and how the people in small town America wouldn't put up with such garbage. And he gets called a racist as they try to shut him down and cancel culture him, right? Like, you don't have a right to sing a song like that. I see to, to the leftists, they don't have an ideal of free speech. To them, free speech means you say what I agree with, right? Uh, that's because they don't have at the base of their philosophy uh, the, the, the Judeo-Christian view of God. They don't understand the concept of us being made in the image of God and having unalienable rights. To them, it's all about power.
And so um, they have no problem with this. And, and this is the problem. We have, to, we have to fight against that. You know, there's laws being passed in America. There was a law passed in Michigan the other day making it a crime, a felony, to not use someone's preferred pronoun. So some guy wants to be called she, and you still call him he, you go to jail, right? California tried to pass a similar law. Thank God there was a judge. There was some common sense who held it unconstitutional. I got a headline right here uh, in Mexico, prosecution of lawmakers for misgendering politician raises free speech concerns. According to the, the Mexico law, it's called uh, gender-based political violence. You see, the leftists say that your words, if they don't agree with my words, then you're, you, you're being violent. Your words are violent against me if you don't agree with me. How ungodly, how un unbiblical, and how anti-American could you get? Now, that's Mexico, so I'll give them a break on the American part, but still it's wrong. And this is where we're headed in this country if we don't stand up and fight. And I believe we are fighting. I believe good things are happening. I think we're making progress. I think people's eyes are opening. I think bright days are ahead if we continue, if we continue the fight and press it all the way home. Okay, guys, so that's my soapbox for today. I'm really hoping that it was uh, both educational and informative for you. I've got a call on the line. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that here in a second, but I want to remind you, live calling show. So maybe you want to ask me about the Trump indictments, or maybe you want to ask me about political corruption or anything else in the headlines today. Maybe it's a Bible question, anything like that. Um, I'm also a pastor, so I'd, I'd love to hear from you. My number is 719-619-2341. Call in today. Uh, we've got about five, six minutes left in this segment, so let me hear from you. All right, right now I want to go to Daniel, who's on the line from California. Daniel, what is your question today, sir? Thank you so much for taking my call. And, you know, uh, and thank you for bringing this up in such detail. You know, we don't hear about that on the fake news and the regular media. So thank you for, for laying this out so clearly. But, you know, yes, my heart goes welcome. out for the people that uh, went into the Capitol, uh, uh, you know, just innocently. And now they're in jail and have been in jail for all these months. Is there any hope for them? Um, there, to be honest, uh, that's a really good question, Daniel. Thank you so much for asking it. So, um, l legally speaking at this point in time, um, I don't think there is a lot of hope. Uh, I, I think that, and by the way, by the way, guys, everyone needs to know that the judge that, uh, signed off on the indictments in the Trump January 6th case that we were just talking about at length is the same judge one of the same judges that has been uh, throwing, uh, punishing defendants for the January 6th riots. So let me find her name here. Uh, let's see here. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to find that. But she um, was a Barack Obama appointee. Okay. Uh, so there's no doubt that she is going to be a hard left leaning uh, person politically. And so I, and she's not the only judge, but there are others. Um, from what I've seen, there's not much hope there. What uh, we need is some more aggressive work by attorneys on behalf of those January 6th defendants. You know, um, Tucker Carlson on Fox News had a several week expose on January 6th that he did uh, or tried to do. I don't think he ever completed it uh, a few months back. And this expose, where he was taking the footage of January 6th, 
it, it, he was showing how all of this left-wing rhetoric is trumped up, no pun intended, nonsense. Uh, that it's not true, that the people that went in the Capitol, by and large, were not violent. Uh, they were let into the building, in fact, even escorted around by Capitol Police. We now know that there were um, FBI-planted agitators among the crowd, something that has been said as a matter of speculation and, and probability all, all along, and it's finally been confirmed. Now, I don't know if it's confirmed that they were agitators, but it's confirmed that they were. there were dozens of them among the crowd, right? And uh, some of them were, were wearing Trump paraphernalia, okay? Uh, and, and so they're there in secret, and, um, uh, you know, uh, there's other things to say about January 6th, but it... Uh, those folks that are in jail now, they need our prayers. They, they need our support. That's another thing where, you know, every one of us needs to pick up the phone and call our congressmen, call our senators, call uh, the Justice Department and say, uh, I hate what you're doing to these January 6th defendants. You need to let them go. They're, they're patriotic Americans. Um, and, uh, uh, but I think what we're going to need is we're going to need a, a new president in office to wipe the slate clean for those folks. I don't know if any of the current candidates are willing to do that, but that would be the best thing. So, um, so yeah, we're here. Thank you, Daniel, for your question. This is the Truth and Liberty live call-in show. I'm Richard Harris, and uh, we're, our lines are open. Love to hear from you today with questions. I'm talking about the subject of freedom of speech and, uh, and, and politicization of our law enforcement agencies and the federal government and the Donald Trump indictments. What do you think about all of this stuff? What do you think about what's going on? Call in. Let me hear from you today. Do you have questions? Do you have comments? The lines are open. Um, and, uh, you know, like I said, it can be anything. So we'd love to hear from you today. And also just another reminder before we run out of time on this segment, um, if you're not a Truth and Liberty member, I want to encourage you to become one. We are doing a lot of stuff here at Truth and Liberty. Uh, we, we engage with the media all the time. Uh, we have a resource center on our website with hundreds of resources designed to help Christians and believers get involved and engage the culture with truth. Uh, we've got our program here that's expanded to five days a week where we're bringing truth to the airwaves uh, and we're expanding that show all the time. We're working with other organizations. We're collaborating with some of the best organizations in America to unite and strategize at, at the highest level. And so if you want to be a part of bringing God's truth to bear in the public square across this nation, I personally believe there's nowhere better for you to sow your seed than the Truth and Liberty Coalition. And if you didn't know it, you can become a Truth and, member, Truth and Liberty member just by going on our website, go to the donate page, and sign up uh, to make a recurring automatic uh, donation of $5 or more per month, and you'll be a Truth and Liberty member. At the banquet, or not banquet, but the conference coming up in September, we're going to have a special reception for members. We're going to be sending out an email blast about that soon, but you can participate in that if you become a Truth and Liberty member today. So, uh, this is the Truth and Liberty Live calling show. It's just me today because I wanted to just take tackle this subject uh, on my own as a lawyer, as a free speech advocate and expert, and as your executive director of Truth and Liberty. So I hope you've enjoyed my sort of monologue, but now I want to hear from you. So call in 719-619-2341, and we'll uh, start taking your questions after the break. Uh, so we'll look forward to hearing from you in just a few seconds. 
At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. The moment you believe your healing is done and it's just a matter of time until whatever the symptoms are, are gone. You observe what Jesus did and try in your mind and say, I'm making a judgment that Jesus paid the price for me. We focus on what the doctors can do for us more than what God can do for us. Say, God is my healer, not the doctor. Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I want to remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. All right, guys, we're back here on Truth and Liberty Live Calling Show. I'm Richard and just so happy to be with you today. We've been talking about these Trump indictments and, uh, and how is it an assault on free speech and how is it part of the politicization of our federal government? So these questions, we've been seeing them a lot in the news, you know, and that sort of thing. So um, I, I know that it, it can be kind of mind-numbing after a while, and we just want to sometimes just turn it off, please. But you know, guys, I think we've got to be vigilant. We have to shake that desire off, and we have to engage on this subject, because I'll tell you this right now. The, the communists, the LGBT, the liberals, those who do not know our Lord and Savior, though, these folks are out there night and day advocating on these subjects. They're on social media. They're trolling social media. They're blasting their friends and family. They're going to events. I saw a survey a few weeks ago um, that uh, did a study of engagement across all sorts of uh, religious perspectives and, uh, you know, all types of different denominations and, and even race and social economic status and all kinds of things. And it showed that the number one most engaged, politically engaged group in America were atheists. That's right. Not Christians not Jews, atheists. Those who don't believe in God are uh, going to more events and donating more money on average than even uh, evangelical Christians, okay? Uh, and, and in most situations, it's a lot more. So uh, that's why I talk about these things. That's why I get so passionate about them. But um, let me let me just go back to this idea of free speech for a second. And I want to talk to you about the biblical perspective on it. Um, you remember the parable of the sower? Remember the parable of the sower? It's in Mark chapter 4. It's also in, Mar in Matthew chapter 13. But um, in Mark chapter 4, we, we see in there that you remember the, the seed that was sowed on the wayside? You remember the seed on the wayside? Jesus, when his disciples asked him to... Um, they asked him to explain the parable. He said, I think it was in verse 18, I'm not sure, but he said that the seed uh, which was sowed on the wayside is the seed which when sowed on a man's heart, when sowed on a man's heart, the devil, because he doesn't understand it, the devil comes immediately and stealeth it. 
okay? You see, the devil, Satan, is the one who's after the word. He's after the word. He's after truth, right? If you look at uh, Jesus himself, right, the Lord told us that persecution would arise. The second type of ground in that parable is <clears throat> the rocky ground. The th and he says there the um, persecution and affliction arises, uh, Matthew chapter 4. Why does it arise? For the word's sake, okay? So Satan causes these things to come so that he can choke the word. The devil wants to choke the truth. People that love the truth are not afraid of lies. People that love the truth are not afraid of darkness because they know light casts out darkness. When you go into a room and you flip on the light switch, you're no longer afraid of the dark, right? You like the light, but if you love the dark, you hate that light switch and you don't want it being turned on, right? And so it's, it's the forces of darkness, it's the forces of evil that are behind cancel culture and censorship. And it is not just now like that, it's always like that. You look back across history, censorship, persecution, violation of freedom of speech, violation of freedom of religion always comes from evil, never from good. It comes from tyrants, those who are lusting for power, who are desiring to commit wickedness, right, and oppress other people. Freedom lovers don't censor, tyrants censor. So um, leftists out there, Gen Xers, Gen Zs out there, hear me today. This virtue signaling leftist um, um, assault on America that you're participating in today, do not be deceived. You are not practicing goodness. You are practicing wickedness and evil. It is not godlike to punish people for speaking what they believe, even if you don't like what they believe. This cancel culture has to stop, guys, if we're going to save our country. All right, so we've got a call in. This is Joel from Colorado. And uh, Joel, thanks for calling into Truth and Liberty today. What's your question, sir? Hey, my question is, voters expect the 2024 election to be fair while voter uh, fraud being really uh, relevant still. Hey, Joel, thank you for that question. That's actually a really good question. Um, I think that... Um, you know, we kind of paid a price for all this election fraud talk. We needed to have the conversation. So, um, you, you know, I'm not saying we shouldn't have, but unfortunately, it did cause a lot of people to just kind of become discouraged and say, oh, there's no point in voting anymore because it's all rigged. And so I think the results uh, in 2022 showed that there was a depressed turnout among conservatives because I think a lot of people are just like, it's all rigged. It's not going to matter who I vote for. Um, but there have been a lot of changes made. Um, most of those changes have been in red states. So, you know, I'm not sure of the ultimate impact of those in terms of the net, in, net effect on the presidential election, um, since those states would go probably red anyway. Um, but that's all a little bit speculative. But things like um, requiring um, uh, paper ballots. There's been a few places that have done that. Uh, stricter voter identification laws. Um, measures to make sure that the ballot that's being processed is a valid, uh, authentic ballot. So like uh, having um, 
you know, security measures built into the paper that it's printed on so it can be detected under ultraviolet light, stuff like that. Um, signature verification procedures, stricter rules on absentee ballots, a lot of changes around the country along those lines. Now, unfortunately, those changes have not gone far enough. Uh, I personally believe that we need to um, all across the country, we need to go back to number one, in-person voting. Unless you have a bona fide reason for not being able to vote on election day, then you're, you can't vote, right? Uh, and and uh, a narrowly limited list of what those reasons are. Number two is paper ballots, all right? In person and on paper, scrap these computers. Let's get back to the old fashioned way where we can have eyes on and uh, we, we don't have criminals uh, stacking the ballot boxes as easily. And uh, I think those two things right there, of course, we're also used now to the digital age. We're used to the incredible convenience of the mail-in ballot system that it, it's going to be real tough to get there. But uh, people who really love this country, people who really love freedom, uh, you know, that's what they know needs to be. So we've got to continue to push for it, uh, Joel. The other change that has happened is um, um, Tom Fitton at Judicial Watch has filed lawsuits all over America against secretaries of state uh, uh, challenging um, uh, voter rolls uh, that are um, inflated and full of old registrations of inactive voters, right? And I think he's done that because the theory is that the, the fraudsters were able uh, to somehow get access to the voter rolls. Well, those are public record. So they can get access to the voter rolls and then they generate fake ballots, the theory goes, for people that they know are inactive or they know that have moved out of the state. They can determine that through all kinds of uh, software and other stuff like that, but they're still on the rolls, so the ballot goes through, okay? At least that's the theory. So we'll see if that makes much of an impact. It's certainly a good thing to do and an important thing to do. So um, uh, so there you go. That's, that's my limited knowledge of it, Joel. Thank you for your question. I really do appreciate it. All right, next we've got a caller, uh, another Colorado guy. This is Alex calling in. Hey, Alex, what's your question today? Hey, Richard. I was wondering, why do you think atheists are so active, whereas Christians are just complacent in the political sphere? Uh, that's a good one, too, man. Um, so, so yeah, that answer is actually pretty easy. Atheists, uh, which I appreciate, though, Alex, atheists um, are... Uh, by definition, atheists have no, life, no hope in eternal life, right? Now, they may think that, oh, there's some state of consciousness or something like that that I get to go to, but they don't have a belief in a loving, personal God who is going to, they're going to be united with in eternity, right? They don't have a belief that they're going to be going to some paradise and reunited with loved ones. And so this world really is all they have. And power in this world is all they have. They're, they are, um, because they don't have God in their hearts, they are driven, driven to control this world, control the natural realm of this world. Because without a belief in God, you know, where does your satisfaction come from, right? This is Eve in the garden. She looks at the fruit and she says, Oh, it's desired to make one wise. It, it's good for food and it's pleasing to the eyes. So I'm going to take it and eat it, right? This is how atheists are by, by default. They can't help it because without God, that's the way all of us are. And, and so they're driven. They're more motivated 
to impact the world because they believe that this is where their only shot at happiness lies. The other, the, flip it to the other side, and you have Christians who believe uh, two things that are erroneous. Number one, they believe um, that uh, the rapture is coming and it's going to take us out of here and it's inevitable that it's on its way and we can't slow it down. We can't change the timing of it. And it looks like it's almost here. So we're out of here. Why bother? They think the only thing we need to do is get people saved. And if I can get more, more and more people saved, then I'm going to be doing God's will. It, I don't really need to do anything in this world because this world, I'm not supposed to be living for the world anyway because that's called worldliness, they wrongly think. I'm not, I'm not supposed to be worried about the quote-unquote affairs of this life. I'm only supposed to be heavenly-minded and all of this sort of teaching. And what these Christians are doing is they're, they're living in half-truths. Yes? All right. Well, the, the rapture is not pre-trib, it's at the end of the tribulation, so that ought to generate some calls. Uh, that's number one, <laughs> okay? But number two, we are called to impact this world. If we really love the people in this world, then we're going to want to take truth to them in every sector, in every way, and in every part of life. We can't separate truth. We can't say, oh, we believe in truth in church, but it doesn't matter whether there's truth in politics. It doesn't matter whether there's truth in the doctor's office or truth down at the school. No, as long as you go to church and get your truth, you're going to be okay. That's just not realistic. It doesn't work that way. We're not islands to ourselves. Truth permeates, right? Lies permeate. And we're paying the price now as Christian kids all over the nation are being pulled into homosexuality, transgenderism, sexual immorality, drug use, all kinds of other destructive lifestyles because they're going to public schools. Parents naively think, oh, as long as I've got them going to church, they're going to be okay. That's a whole other subject. But Alex, my point is Christians don't are not being taught the full uh, counsel of the Word of God about the Great Commission and about our calling to be salt and to be light in every aspect of human life, not just inside the four walls of the church building. You see, God doesn't just call people to the ministry, uh, as in like standing behind a pulpit. God calls people to public office. You know, He calls them ministers too, Romans 13. God calls people to be business owners and leaders or servants, calls people to be engineers, calls people to be lawyers, doctors, accountants, uh, race car drivers, baseball players, calls people to everything because He wants light and love and truth and the gospel to go into every part of the world. But you see, we've abandoned the field. We've backed out of those spheres of influence because we think it's sinful or because we think it's not God's will because he wants us in the church. We're, we have a religious mindset going on here. Satan has pulled the wool over our eyes and we've got to change that. So uh, Christians have become politically inactive. Uh, they think that it's sinful to be involved, for example, in the movie business, right? Uh, they think that it's sinful to make money in business, they think it's sinful to be in politics because it's a quote-unquote dirty business. You know, we ought to have the exact opposite mindset. We ought to be saying like Jesus did, I'm going to go to the sinners. I'm going to go dine at their house. 
I'm going to go hang out with the publicans and the people that are the uh, rejected by the religious world. That's how we ought to be. We ought to be going into these cultures of influence with the love of God and the truth of God inside of us and being salt and light and making a difference, standing up. And it's not just witnessing in the classical sense of like Romans Road leading someone to Christ, which is important. It's so important, and I'm not against that. But, but also bringing God's truth to bear on everything else. Because how many of you know that coming to Christ fully is not, um, it's a whole body experience, right? You can't separate out truth here and bring someone to Christ over here. Discipleship involves everything. That's why Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. So that's a long answer, uh, Alex, and I apologize for that, but I hope it answered your question. And uh, I'd like to go to our next caller uh, here on the Truth and Liberty Call-In Show. Uh, before I do that, though, I want to remind you guys, we've still got some time left in the broadcast, and our number is 719-619-2341. Would love to hear from you today, so call in. Let me hear from you. It can be about the Bible or politics, Trump's indictments, uh, Biden corruption, any other headlines that are on your heart or uh, on your mind today. All right, uh, Robert from the great state of Florida, you are on the line here at Truth and Liberty. What's your question today. Hi, Richard. Um, you know, I'm recalling what Santiana said, philosopher who said, those who uh, forget history are doomed to repeat it. Um, mm. There was also a reminder of the Berlin Wall, which came down, the Iron Curtain, and all yep. this, you know, the House of Cards fell hard right. fast. I am, I'm saying we, we should have a bumper sticker for every car that says, our inalienable rights for the people from our creator. And just put that on a bumper sticker and let that uh, be our message of where we're going to get our, our balance of grace and faith for everybody to get a propaganda type bumper sticker, which would clearly state that everybody has their rights from the image of God, our creator, and they are inalienable rights. And they're right there on, in the Constitution so that everybody has a better understanding of what true freedom is. Yeah, no. Robert. I, I, yeah, I love that idea. You know, um, man, why don't you design that bumper sticker? I'd love to see that. Maybe it'll take off. I think. Um, I think you're 100 percent right. Um, I think it was Thomas Jefferson that said um, that uh, he he trembles for his country uh, when he considers that God is a, is a just God and his justice cannot sleep forever. And then in that same passage, he said that. Um, that how can the people remain free if they forget that the rights are the gift of God? And, you know, I think in America, the, the secularization of our schools and of really of our whole society has caused Americans to forget that their rights came from God. We, when we Americans now think about government, they don't really think about God anymore. And that's a true shame. And perhaps you're right, Robert, perhaps if we began to speak just that truth alone uh, out there more often, it would cause maybe a chain reaction in people's thinkings to allow them to ponder more and more, uh, what is the role of government? And uh, wh what are these rights that we're talking about? And it, it must be wrong to infringe someone's rights uh, uh, and, and that sort of thing. So I love that idea. And uh, I'd love to, to see you make that happen. <laughs> So thanks for calling in. I do appreciate it. All right, guys. So our phone lines are still open here at Truth and Liberty, 
uh, 619-2341. I also want to remind you one more time about Andrew's Phone Center. The lines are open there as well for prayer or ministry or Andrew's product. Uh, you can get to those uh, trained phone ministries today by calling 719-635-1111. You know, one of the interesting stories, uh, really horrible stories, but uh, I pulled from my notes today was this one out of Mexico about um, uh, law lawmakers. These are lawmakers now. These are guys in the Mexico Senate or something getting prosecuted because they didn't call another politician according to his preferred pronoun. They call that misgendering now. I mean, how many directions can I go on this one? Um, you know, first off is how can you misgender someone? Gender is what it is, right? You're either a male or a female. Just because I get it wrong doesn't mean I've gendered you one way or the other, all right? Um, and furthermore, don't I have the freedom to have my own opinion about what gender you are? Um, let's say we don't even have all this trans craziness and I called a woman a man and a man a woman. Uh, am I, should I be thrown in jail for that? Uh, that seems ridiculous, doesn't it? And so... Um, uh, but there's a uh, this there's no limit, you guys, to the depths. Okay, this is not the first occasion for this. I saw uh, cases coming out of uh, Europe along these same lines, and as I mentioned earlier, laws like this are being passed in in state legislatures around America, um, and and you know even the Congress has. Uh, uh, come really close to passing uh, laws like H.R. Uh, 5, uh, which would have made it a, a, uh, a violation of federal civil rights, uh, not for, for uh, you know, even charities and, and religious charities to uh, not allow men to use women's restrooms and things like that, and biological men, to infringe on these so-called LGBT rights and stuff like that and not to go, go with the flow. I'm telling you that... There is no limit to LGBT tyranny. There's no stopping point. We need to forget about any possibility of a moderate resolution. Oh, man. Forget about it, guys. There isn't one. This is a war to the figurative death. Now, I am not saying anyone needs to die physically. I'm not saying that anyone needs to be harmed. I'm saying in the battlefield of ideas, there is no victory except absolute victory here. There's no compromise. And anytime you sniff a compromise on the subject of LGBTQ ideology, that's the devil. Okay, I promise you, because the Bible is 100% clear on this subject. God made them in the beginning, male and female. He didn't make anything else, and he didn't put men in bo women's bodies and, and women in men's bodies. And not one single time in Scripture does he ever allow for intimate relations between members of the same sex. There's no suggestion that anyone could ever be doing God's will by trying to change their sex. Um, no, God wants us to know uh, who we are and to be at peace and, and walk in our value as sons and daughters of God, to be content in our calling. And, you know, the, the scripture says in the New Testament, whatsoever, uh, let every man whatsoever state he may be to be content therewith, right? I uh, can't give you this chapter and verse for that, but um, we need to be teaching our children Hey, if you're not comfortable with this whole idea of what gender you are, it's okay. You, you are made exactly like God made you. God loves you. You're not a mistake. God didn't make a mistake. And you are, if your child is a boy, 
you are just as uh, much a boy, just as much a male and a man as any other man. You are manly. You are, you are made just like God wants you. So you love uh, music. Lots of men love music. You love art. That's fine. Some of the greatest painters in the history of the world are men. So you're not into rough and tumble stuff. Well, it doesn't matter. God made men with all kinds of likes and dislikes and shapes and sizes, and you're okay. And the same thing to our daughters. Oh, daughter, so, okay, you've got broad shoulders. You know what? That's okay. You're still beautiful. God gave us lots of variety. God loves variety. There's not just one shape for a woman or one hair color or one look for a woman. There's all kinds of beauty. And, and you know, these kinds of messages, not, so we need to affirm our kids the godly way, not affirm them in their confusion and brokenness. They're, they're having these confusion feelings because of lies of the devil. And if we go and start affirming them in their brokenness, we're just affirming lies inside of them. And we know that lies put people in bondage and lies cause death and destruction physically, emotionally, spiritually. And uh, so uh, once again, we got to stand up to these things. All right, folks, we've got six minutes left in today's show. And I know that there's probably hundreds of you out there today that have a comment or a question. And I just want you to know that uh, I'm here ready to answer. So pick up your phone, give me a call. 719-619-2341. How many of you have seen Sound of Freedom? Have you seen that a movie yet? Um, you need to get to the theaters and see it before it's gone. I'm sure it'll get on uh, uh, you know, video soon, but uh, it was a powerful experience in the theater and we need to support it in the theaters. But I, in these six minutes left, how about we talk about Sound of Freedom? Give me a call today. Let me know, have you seen it? What do you think of the movie? What do you think of the liberal elites efforts to uh, lie about and, and, and squash that movie? What do you think needs to be done about the issue of child sex trafficking and all of this sort of stuff? I'll tell you, I, um, I was deeply moved by it. You know, it's one of these things where you know it's a problem, but you don't really think about it very often. And, and this movie puts it right in front of you. You can't deny it anymore. It's a serious problem that we all need to uh, need to deal with. And, uh, you know, there's there's lots of organizations out there that are fighting against child sex trafficking. Uh, Operation Underground Railroad is is the uh, the one Tim Ballard's. But there's many others uh, out there that are fighting against it. Uh, my wife and I support one back in our home state um, uh, called uh, Dragonfly, for example. And uh, I just encourage you all to get behind that and help fight against this horrible, horrible thing going on in our world today. Um, all right, Jennifer from New Jersey is on the line. I love the state of New Jersey, Jennifer. How are you today? I'm good, thank you, Richard. How are you doing? I'm doing great. What's your question? Um, my question is, well, you mentioned the rapture happening at the end of the tribulation. I guess I've been mistaught, or um, I thought because the church is still here, we're holding back the Antichrist from being able to reign which would yeah. be, I thought, before the rapture, I mean, before the tribulation with the rapture, but I'd love yeah. to hear what you have to say. Yeah, yeah, well, there's so many scriptural proofs for it that uh, I don't have time to go into them all. I do have a whole teaching on it. Uh, but no, the Bible actually is very clear that the rapture occurs at the end of the great tribulation, not at the beginning. Uh, the pre-tribulation, excuse me, pre rapture doctrine was kind of uh, invented in the uh, 1800s 
by some, um, uh, some prophecy teachers then uh, during that time period. But it really doesn't have any, any strong scriptural support. There's a few verses that you can interpret that way. But the vast majority of scripture uh, points to a post-tribulation rapture. Now, the rapture um, is, uh, that word is taken out of 2 Thessalonians, where Paul the apostle is writing about Christ's coming. And Paul talks about it as that day. You remember that, that passage? Let's go ahead and get that out. I think it's uh, 2 Thessalonians Chapter 4. Let me go there. Okay, I'm sorry. It's 2 Thessalonians 2. And Paul says here, he says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. Okay, so first thing is, Paul is saying that's one thing. Okay, Jesus coming and our gathering together to him. The second coming of Christ is the only coming that's left. There's not a third coming. So pre-tribbers say, oh, Jesus is going to come and rapture us, and then we're going to go to heaven with him, and then we're going to come back. What they're really saying is there's three comings. Well, that's not scriptural. There's only two comings of Jesus Christ. There's the first, which already happened, and there's going to be a second, which has not happened. Okay, And at the second coming, the rapture will occur. We see it right there in verse 1. Then he says that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter, as from us, that the day of Christ is at hand. So people have been teaching them, oh, it already happened. We're already see we see that teaching today. There's a lot of Christians who say that Jesus already came. We're in the millennium now. Well, that's false, we, uh, and I don't have time to go into that. But the reason we know that's false is because the Bible says every eye will see him. The entire world will know that Jesus is coming. Men will uh, be falling down in fear and weeping and wailing because they see Jesus Christ in fire and glory. So anyway, verse 3, let no man deceive you by any means. Now listen, Jennifer, you got this? That, that day, what day? The coming of the Lord and the rapture, our gathering together to Him and His coming, will not come, uh, shall not come unless there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. So right here, the Bible is telling us that the rapture does not happen until the Antichrist is here. Not before the Antichrist. We don't leave and then the Antichrist is manifested. We leave after the Antichrist is manifested. So there, there we, right there alone, we know it's not a pre-trib rapture because the Antichrist, is, the Antichrist comes to power. Um, the, the, the Great Tribulation, according to the book of Daniel, is three and a half years. Okay, it's three and a half years, the Great Tribulation. The reign of the Antichrist is seven years. I can't go to those scriptures right now. I don't have enough time, but that's in the book of Daniel. And the, the Antichrist comes on the scene before we're raptured. So, so uh, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, he said that there will be tribulation such as has never been nor evermore shall be. And he says, those days shall be shortened for whose sake, Jennifer? For the elect's sake. Then who's the elect? We are. Born again believers are the elect. So unless he shortened it, then, then even if the elect wouldn't be saved, that's how severe it's going to be. But he does shorten it for our sake. That means we're going to be here. 
All right, and then Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24 that he says it explicitly. I think it's verse 31 and 32. After the tribulation of those days, then the sign of the Son of Man shall appear in heaven. He shall send forth his angels to the four corners of the earth, and they will gather his elect. The last proof I'll give you is the Bible says in Revelation chapter 13 that says, whoever, that the Antichrist persecutes the saints. And in Daniel says he wears out the saints. Jennifer, I'm out of time. Thanks for your question. God bless all of you. Thanks for calling in today to the Truth and Liberty live call-in show. We love you, and we'll see you again next time. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.